Well, take your Bible and turn with me to the book of Joshua. We're going to be reading verses this morning from Joshua chapter 2. And we'll begin reading in a moment there in verse 1. Joshua chapter 2, verse 1. Last week we began a new series called Courage Over Fear. Because it seems like these days there's so little of the former and there is so much of the latter. And when we think about courage, there are certain things that just naturally come to our minds. For example, we think about the soldier in battle. We think about the fireman running into a burning building. We think about the police officer who puts his life in danger for someone else's benefit. Courage has many different forms. But sometimes it just takes courage to believe. For example, it takes courage to believe that God's word is true, even when everyone around you would mock you for doing so. It takes courage to believe in God's promises. When you look around at your circumstances and you can't see how in the world God can do it. It takes courage to believe that, yes, it really is worth it to follow Christ, even if it costs you everything. So this morning, I want to talk to you specifically about the courage to believe. And in our passage this morning, Israel is about to enter the promised land. As we saw last week, God had already given them the land. They just were not yet living in it. Now it's time for Israel to claim what God has already said is theirs. And the first city on their conquest is the city of Jericho. All of the main roads in Canaan had their beginning here. If Israel is going to take the promised land, Jericho must fall. Therefore, Joshua sends two spies into the land and into that city. Now, 40 years earlier, Israel had sent spies in order to determine if the land could be taken, Joshua sent spies into the land to plan how the land would be taken. And there's a big difference between the two. But in the process of spying the city, the Bible tells us about an encounter those two spies had with a woman named Rahab. Now, if you are familiar with the story, you know that Rahab was the last person in the world you would expect to come to God, the last person in the world you would expect God to use. And yet this woman, Rahab, becomes one of the shining examples in all of the Bible of what it means in order to have the courage to believe and what that courage looks like. So through her, we're going to see four ways in which we can experience and demonstrate this kind of courage. And first of all, we do so by establishing your faith decisively. By establishing your faith 
decisively. Look at verse 1. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out two men from Acacia Grove to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. I find it very interesting that we don't know the names of those two spies, but we do know the name of the woman they met while spying the city, Rahab. And here is a woman who is as far from God as a person could possibly be. Her resume had just one word. She's referred to repeatedly in Scripture, not just here, as Rahab the harlot. She's a woman that everyone else looked down upon. And if that's not bad enough, her name literally contained within it the name of an Egyptian god. So that we, we know that Rahab was raised in a pagan land, in a pagan religion, by pagan parents that gave her a pagan name. Her whole life was characterized by pagan idolatry and public immorality. And yet here are these two Israelite men doing the Lord's work, and they wound up in her home. We don't know how they met. We don't know why they were there. It was not for the normal reason. I can guarantee you that. But God could have sent those spies to any other home He sovereignly sent them to the house of Rahab, the one woman in Jericho that was ready to believe. It may have looked like coincidence, but this was providence. See, back in chapter 1, the Bible says that the people said to Joshua, wherever you send us, we will go. Sometimes we sing that song, wherever he leads, I'll go. You get to that point where you dare to say to God, wherever you lead, I'll go. Guess what? I already know where God will send you. I do. He's going to send you to someone who needs Jesus. Because God knows how to bring together the messenger and the person who is ready to receive the message. God sovereignly sent these men who were willing to go wherever God sent, so he sent them to the house of Rahab. Look at verse 2. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the country. It didn't take long for the king to find out that some Israelite spies were in town. It didn't take long for him to figure out that they had been to Rahab's house. So he sent messengers there. Notice he did not ask if they were there. He just said, bring them out. And just like that, Rahab has a choice. Because if she hands them over, they will be killed. If she is found, 
to be harboring spies in her home. They will be killed and she will be killed. And so suddenly she has to make a choice. She has to decide, number one, whose side she's on. And she has to decide what she really believes. Verse 4 says, Then the woman took the two men and hid them. So she said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And it happened as the gate was being shut, when it was dark, that the men went out. Where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. Where are those men? I don't know. Where did they go? Hmm, maybe they went that way. Was she telling the truth? No. Was this a lie? Yes, although I will propose to you she was not breaking the ninth commandment. Do not bear false witness against your neighbor because guess what? Her neighbors were those two godly men who were hiding on top of her roof. So don't even think about using this passage as a defense for you not telling the truth. In fact, in the New Testament, Rahab is commended for what she did here. Her name even appears in Hebrews chapter 11, which we commonly refer to as the Hall of Fame of the Bible or the Hall of Faith. And listen to what Hebrews 11.31 says. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. Notice, she received the spies by faith. The very moment she opened up her door, the very moment she let them in, knowing who they were, knowing why they were there, in that moment she was acting in faith. It was faith because she was trusting God to take care of her. It was faith because she was casting her lot and she was identifying herself with the people of God no matter the cost. Listen, Rahab did not lie because she feared the king of Jericho. She lied because she feared the king of the universe. And here's what made her faith so courageous. It was courageous because it was decisive. She understood that the moment she said yes to Yahweh, she made herself an enemy of Jericho. And she was willing to make that choice and to take that stand. Part of the courage to believe is understanding that if you believe God and if you believe his word, you will not win any popularity contest in this world. It may cost you. In fact, it will cost you. But you believe anyway. And you stand on God's word anyway. Your faith must be decisive. And so, 
We see that part of the courage to believe is establishing your faith decisively. But something else we see, it also means professing your faith publicly. It means professing your faith publicly. Jump down to verse 8. Now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land that the terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed, And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. I bet those two spies stood there in amazement as they listened to Rahab telling them everything she knew about the Lord and everything that she believed about the Lord. For example, she called God by his covenant name. She understood, she believed that he is the I am, the self-existent one, the creator. She believed that he's powerful, that he fights for his people. She believed that he's a miracle-working God, that he parted the waters of the Red Sea. She somehow knew about the covenant God made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In fact, she believed in that covenant because she started off by saying, the Lord has given you the land. She believed that God was just to judge them and that it was foolish to resist him. She believed that God The God of Israel was not limited to one land, but he's the Lord of heavens and earth. Now, folks, that is a lot of good theology for a pagan prostitute. And yet Rahab is the perfect example of Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me if you search with all of your heart. She's the perfect example of someone who receives some light from the Lord, who receives and believes what truth God has given to her. Somehow she heard the message about the God of of Israel. She believed Faith comes by hearing, and hearing the word of God, she accepted the truth that God gave her. Therefore, God kept giving her more and more truth until we come to Joshua chapter 2. But this is not all that she believed. Look at verse 12. Now, therefore, I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you also will show kindness to my father's house. And give me a true token and spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. Rahab knows that judgment is coming and she knows that she needs to be saved. And there's a particular word that she uses. I don't know just how well Rahab understood this word. But 
when she asked them for kindness, the word that she used in that moment was that Hebrew word chesed, which we've said many times is one of the deepest and greatest words in all of the Bible. It means kindness, mercy, loving kindness. It's the Hebrew equivalent of that Greek word agape. It refers to usually the covenant love of God. This is what she's asking for. Here's a woman that everybody else looked down upon, but it seems to me that Rahab really did believe that God loved and God would save even her. Just like God loves and God will save even you, even me. Everybody say, even me. Even me. The vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus, a pardon receives. And you don't have to be a prostitute to need mercy, to need forgiveness or grace. In Matthew 21, Jesus was talking to some of the religious leaders of his day. They thought they were too good to need saving. And you remember what Jesus said to them? He said to them, the prostitutes and the tax collectors will enter the kingdom ahead of you. Now, why did he say that? Because they were willing to acknowledge their sin. They were willing to admit their need for a Savior. That's what Rahab did. She professed her faith to these two spies. By the end of the story, she's professed her faith to everyone else. Now, listen to me carefully. Your profession of faith must be public to be real. Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. He said, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father in heaven. Maybe some of you need to do that this morning. But hear me carefully. There are no secret followers of Jesus. There are no followers from a distance there is no underground railroad to heaven. Part of the courage to believe is being willing to profess your faith publicly. Now that leads to a third thing that I want us to see in this passage, and that's living out your faith practically. Living out your faith practically. Look at verse 14. So the men answered her, our lives for yours. If none of you tell this business of ours, and it shall be when the Lord has given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was on the city wall. She dwelt on the wall. And she said to them, Get to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you. Hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Afterward, you may go your way. Now, I'm not going to read every single verse in this passage, but Rahab, she professed her faith in Yahweh. She asked to be saved from the coming judgment. And what happens in the following verses is a series of very specific instructions that Rahab was given and some very specific things, very practical things that Rahab did that all involved 
her living out the faith that she has just professed. For example, she was told that she must keep the secret of the identity of these two spies. The Bible says that she helped them escape. She counseled them. She advised them. She told them where they could go, where they would not get caught. She was told to mark her home by a scarlet red cord. More about that in a moment. And so she did it. She was told that she must remain inside of her home when judgment came. And in the rest of the story, we see Rahab doing all of the things that she was told to do. She did not just talk about it. She actually did it. And because of this, Rahab is cited again in the New Testament book of James. And I want to read to you what James said about her. In James chapter 2, verse 25, Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Notice, once again, she's called Rahab the harlot. At some point we want to say, give the girl a break. Do we have to keep calling her by that name? Well, listen. Rahab is not called Rahab the harlot in order to emphasize her sin. She's called Rahab the harlot in order to emphasize the greatness of her salvation. And it says that Rahab was justified by works. Now, wait a second, pastor, hold on there. I thought that we were justified, made righteous, By faith, by faith in Christ. Why does James say that Rahab was justified by works? Because James is talking about how we know that a person has been justified. He's talking about how we know our salvation, which is by faith, is real. And we prove that it is real, how? By our works. Faith without works is dead. I want you to think for a moment about James, the half-brother of Jesus. Think about all of the people he could have cited, all of the different examples he could have pulled from in the Old Testament in order to give us an example of what it looks like when faith works. And yet James chose just two people, Abraham and Rahab. Boy, that's pretty good company to be in, isn't it? But having the courage to believe is about more than what you say. It's about what you do. It's about living out your faith in practical ways, living as Jesus lived, serving as Jesus served, Loving as Jesus loved, it's about obeying God's word. It's about heeding God's word. 
It's about living out your faith practically. Well, there's one more thing, and this is so important that I want you to see that it's part of the courage to believe, and that is proclaiming your faith boldly. By proclaiming your faith boldly. Look at verse 21. Then she said, According to your words, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed, and she bound the scarlet cord in the window. I find it very interesting that Rahab did not ask to go with them. She could have, but she did not. Why not? Probably because she had work to do. The very first thing she did, she got that scarlet cord that they had pointed out to her up on that rooftop, The Bible says that she tied it to her roof just like they told her to. This scarlet cord, just like blood, so everybody could see it. And it really doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out why they told her to do that or what was going on here. This is a type of a picture of the Passover. When Israel was still in Egypt during the plagues, when that last plague came and God told the people to sacrifice a lamb and to take some of its blood and to then paint it on the doorpost and the lintel of their home so that when God's judgment came and when that scarlet red blood was seen, God's judgment would pass over them. And so what we see in Joshua chapter 2 is something kind of like a reenactment of that. The spies told Rahab, if your home is marked by that scarlet cord, everyone in your house will be saved and God's judgment will pass over you. Now, Rahab wasn't there when the first Passover took place, but she was there by faith. Likewise, we were not there when our Passover lamb, Jesus, died on the cross, when his blood was shed for our sins, but we were there by faith. And the moment a man or woman places their faith in Christ, that blood that he already shed 2,000 years ago is suddenly applied to them. And I can imagine what happened in between the spy's visit and the fall of Jericho. I can imagine Rahab going to and pleading with anybody who was willing to listen to her. And her saying to them, oh, listen, Yahweh is real. I've had a personal encounter with him. He changed my life. He loves us. He's willing to save us. But judgment is coming. So if you will come into my home, if you are under the covering of that scarlet cord, God's judgment will pass over you, and you can be saved. And we know that there were some who listened to her and believed her, because when we get to Joshua chapter 6, we're told that Joshua spared 
Rahab and her father's household and everyone who was with her, strongly implying it wasn't just her relatives who heard her testimony and who believed her message and were saved. But there were others as well. And you know what? If that were the end of the story, boy, that by itself would be a great story, wouldn't it? You know, it gets better. The Bible tells us that Rahab got married to a man named Salmon. Did you know that Salmon in 1 Chronicles is the man who was the father of Bethlehem? Did it ever occur to you that the man who literally built the city in which Jesus was born did so with Rahab by his side? At the beginning of this chapter, no man wanted to marry her. By the end of the chapter, a man who built a city wants to marry her. They get married. They have a child named Boaz. Sound familiar? You get to the book of Ruth, and when Boaz was an old man, an old bachelor, he met and falls head over heels in love with Ruth. They get married. Sometime later, they had a son whose name was Obed. Obed, years later, got married, had a son by the name of Jesse. Jesse was the father of eight sons, the youngest of which was named David, as in King David. And God said, to him in 2 Samuel chapter 7, oh, one day from your line, from your lineage, will come a king like no other king that has ever been. This king will sit on the throne forever, and his kingdom will have no end. That king, of course, was Jesus. And that's why when you get to the very first verse of the New Testament, Matthew 1.1, Jesus is referred to as a son of David. And then just four verses later in verse 5, there is Rahab in the genealogy of Jesus. You understand Matthew did not have to include her. He could have gone straight from Salmon to Boaz without even mentioning Rahab, but he mentions her as a way of saying to us, look what God has done. See what God can do. He turned a prostitute into a princess. And if God can do that for Rahab, just imagine what God can do for you. What does it mean to have the courage to believe? You've got to be decisive. You can't be neutral. No more sitting on the fence. It means you make up your mind that you will follow Christ no matter what anyone else does around you. It means professing your faith publicly. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe, you will be saved. Oh, but that's just the beginning. It means living out your faith practically, doing what God's Word says. Faith that works. 
And it means proclaiming your faith and being willing to tell others what Jesus has done and what Jesus will do for whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for giving to us this courage, the courage to believe, to believe you, to believe your promises, to believe your word. We've seen sometimes just believing in itself requires a certain courage, but you provide it if we'll receive it. And so, Father, help us to have and to demonstrate that kind of courage. We've seen in the Scriptures, God, another beautiful picture of the gospel. How Rahab and her home were covered by that scarlet cord which represented the blood of a lamb. Just as we are covered and our sins are washed by the blood of the lamb, Jesus God, I pray if there are any here today who need on March 27th, 2022 to profess their faith in Jesus publicly for the very first time, I pray, oh God, that this would be that day, that this would be that moment that they come and they call upon the name of the Lord. That they'd be just like Rahab, willing to acknowledge their sin, willing to acknowledge their need to be saved. And God, we believe that just as you were willing to save her, you're willing to save anyone who will believe. Just as you transformed her life, you will transform anyone's life, that the gospel still is the power of God unto salvation. So God, we ask you to do that today. And God, we ask you to help us to have a holy boldness. When we leave here to go just as Rahab did in her town of Jericho, warning the people of judgment, telling them about the God of Israel, inviting them into her home to salvation, God, that we would do the same, pointing this world around us to Jesus. And so, God, we pray all these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.